0: Let me just say, I, I really believe God wants to just do some healing right now uh, uh, as uh, the Word comes out. So if you've got cataracts, if you're colorblind in any kind of way, I just believe God wants to just heal folks this morning, all right? So just receive that. If you've got any kind of eye disease or problem, just start to receive that as we preach the Word this morning. Hallelujah. All right, so, you know, this, this uh, teaching series, we're really setting the tone of the whole year and uh, it's an expansion <clears throat> of uh, our uh, step up step in step out vision for the year you know we, we continued that from last year and uh, this is where we're going this whole year of uh, discipleship and and what does that mean as a reality and so what were we were doing last week
1: so last week we were looking at well, we were asking questions weren't we what were we really looking at and we were looking at the big picture You know, can we see clearly? Do we see in 3D? And we were looking at being determined.
0: Determined, yeah. Determined in what way? Determined to be a disciple, determined to be wholehearted and determined to be available. We were answering these questions face on. What are we determined to be? As a disciple, we're absolutely determined. We're, We're not just casual people, are we? All right.
1: So the scripture that we're carrying forward is from Matthew 28 about the fact that we're called to be disciples. There is a calling. And so that's why we're looking at this whole theme of discipleship.
0: But the rest of that is on the podcast. So go to www.whbcmanchester.com forward slash podcasts.
1: Yes. You All did right. It.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So what are we looking at this week?
0: All right. Well, this week. The, uh, the, the second D that we're looking at is dedicated, mm. all right? Because what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, it means that we're determined, but we're also, we're dedicated. Dedication speaks about a heart, mm. doesn't it? It speaks, speaks more about a heart, not just the following of someone, but a heart after that person.
1: That's right. And when you look up the, the dictionary definition of being dedicated, again, it uses that word wholehearted that we looked at last week about asking that question, are we wholehearted? So dedication is being wholehearted, but it's also about being faithful. If we're dedicated to something we or someone, we are faithful to that person or to that cause.
0: That's right. And if we're dedicated, then we're committed to a person. It's not not just committed to a cause. You know, we don't follow the cause of Christianity. We follow the person of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's such an important part of what we're doing. uh, Dedication also speaks of allegiance and loyalty. It's not just a a quick thing, but it's a loyalty to a person or something. When you look up in the dictionary what dedicated means. And so, you know, it really brings in uh, some questions, doesn't it? That we've really been focusing ourselves, Claire and myself, as we've just been uh, praying over this week. And so our first question uh, really comes out of, well, what is a disciple?
1: What is a disciple? So the Greek word for disciple is methetis. Those of you who want to know the Greek... Um, And it means an apprentice to a master craftsman. Mm. So the word disciple, that's what it means, an apprentice to a master craftsman. So if I am a disciple of Jesus, then I am an apprentice to Jesus, my master.
0: Mm. That's good, that's good. So, so, you know, we we, we were just looking at, because it actually brought that question to us, that really, to me... You know, uh, an apprentice is not someone who's a casual worker. They're not just an occasional worker. They're not just filling in while they get ready for something else. You know, uh, my my kids are at university, and and both of them have got sort of part-time jobs that they do. Well, they've got no commitment to that other than they want to make some money. Their heart's not in what they're doing Uh, uh, as a full-time thing. That's not what they do. Their study is the full-time thing that they're after. And so they're more casual workers than apprentices. In fact, actually what they're studying is what the apprentice is for, isn't it, really? Mm. So turn to Matthew uh, 10. Matthew 10. And uh, let's have a look at uh, Matthew 10. And looking at uh, verse... 24. I should have put a marker in there. Isn't that great? I should just look for the marker. Okay, so Matthew, chapter 10. It's in the midst of a period where Jesus has sent out the 12, and he's told them to go and preach the message, and then he gives them some reality. This is what being a disciple is really going to be like. You're going to be doing a kind of amazing pile of stuff, but you need to understand that people are going to be coming against you. You're going to be speaking things they don't want to hear. But that's okay. I'll tell you the truth. When you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And then it says in verse 24, a student is not above his master, his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of the household? That's a kind of strange things to say. But that's what we have to understand. Jesus himself was being called uh, a son of the devil. It's by the finger of Beelzebub that you cast out these demons. It isn't that he is Beelzebub, yeah? He isn't the Lord of the flies. He isn't the worthless one. He's the worthy one. He's the one who's the Lord of all things, Not and the one who is worthy of honor. Mm-hmm. And so what we understand is it's, it's something that we should be like our master, should be like the one that we serve, be like our teacher mm-hmm. in what aspects?
1: We should be like our teacher in life, shouldn't we? Our desire should be to be like him in everything that he did. And that's, you know, the disciples, when they were with Jesus, they followed him everywhere. They ate where he ate. They slept where he slept. They wanted to be like him. They asked him loads of questions because they wanted the answers to those questions so that they knew how to live their life. And so ultimately, that's what we as disciples need to be. We need to be totally... Like Jesus, don't we?
0: That's right. So an apprentice, really what you would say, is there's someone who is open and teachable? Mm. Mm. I understand in, in, in my apprenticeship that I'm not the master, mm. that I actually, my opinion doesn't matter. Now, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Especially in this day. You know, when I, when I first uh, became, uh, uh, we were getting married and I became an accountant, uh, I was just in that shift uh, back in ooh, blah, 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 1986. A long time ago. 86. <laughs> All right, Claire and I were just getting married, and I, st- I began to train as accountant. And the year before, uh, uh, sorry, two years before, the, uh, the salary to be a, a trainee or an apprentice accountant well, you actually paid for the uh, privilege to be an apprentice. You, pr- you actually paid the company to train as an accountant. Mm. Mm.
1: The, heard, year, before, you, the
0: year before I started, <laughs> that shifted. And at first time, a salary was paid by the major companies. And actually, it was £2,000 a year salary was paid by the, uh, by the companies. And the year I joined, they'd already doubled it to four and a half thousand pounds. So my starting salary in 86 was four and a half thousand pounds as an apprentice, as a trainee accountant. Well, the starting salary today is about 25,000. What a shift and change. But actually what it's done is shifted our concepts of apprenticeship,
1: Mm.
0: of training in a professional way to accomplish something that actually is going to lead to, well, let's put it, a a basically qualified accountant is going to expect at least thirty-five to 40,000 pounds minimum. And if you're any good, you're going to be on the 100,000 pounds and beyond. Isn't that interesting? But if you look at an electrician, well, most electricians are earning 50,000 pounds, but they have to be qualified. And you see, that's what apprenticeship, it brings you into that qualified position. And you see, this is the strange thing. Jesus qualified us for heaven, but we have to learn how to minister. That's a a big change because as an apprentice, I have not got an opinion. I have to do things the way I'm told.
1: That's right. And that's really what faithfulness is about that we were saying a minute ago, that's you right. know, a faithful person follows exactly what they are asked to do. And it's, it's knowing, you know, you are not the master. You are the apprentice to the master. And what he says, the way he says to do it, that is, when you do that, that is pure obedience. And so often we like to hear something and do it our own way. That's mm. not obedience. We need to hear and do as the Master says, and it says in Isaiah one nineteen, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. And we talk about sometimes the kingdom being topsy turvy, don't we? You know, the world says do this, but the Bible says do this. You know, and we need to do what the Word of God says. If He is our Master then we need to be obedient to him because his way is always the best way and we will eat of the best of the land. Right. And it says in Proverbs fourteen six, it says a scoffer or somebody who mocks um, seeks wisdom in vain for his very attitude blinds and deafens him to it. But knowledge is easy to him who being teachable understands. So if you come in to church going, I know it all, I'm just here because I'm supposed to be here on Sunday morning, then you're mocking God and you're mocking the word and it's going to be in vain and you're not going to hear what God has to say. Mm -hmm. But if you come with that open and teachable heart, then he's going to give you fresh revelation, even on scripture that you've been reading over and over again, fresh revelation will come because you've come with an open and a teachable heart.
0: You see, that really reflects how Jesus was himself. Jesus insisted, I am doing nothing here on the earth except what I see my Father doing. I say nothing except what I hear him say. There was this absolute dependence... That to be led by the Spirit is to subject our will, our intellect, our reasoning, our agendas, and to go, Do you know, I must, I insist, Jesus, on being led by you, just as I saw you being led by the Father. But not because I must, but because I see a benefit. I see that that's the, the way, not just to live a holy life, but to live in holiness. Mm. Holiness is living in wholeness with Father. It's, it's, it's not some harsh thing. Don't do that. That's enough of that. But you see so much of the benefits of what the Father's speaking that, you go, that you're, you're leaving behind things that you think might be good for you because you understand how much the Father loves you. And if he loves you, then nothing he asks you is going to cause you a problem in the long run. It might be a temporary cost, but it will never be a long-term cost because the benefits with Jesus always outweigh the cost. And that's an exciting thing. So when we're following Jesus as a disciple, it's a love-based relationship. It's not just, thou shalt. Mm. I mean, this is what Jesus even summed up the Ten Commandments. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, everything you've got, Mm. and love people in the same way. Mm. Mm.
1: Okay, so the question is, am I an apprentice or a casual worker? Yeah. And dedication, if you're dedicated, then the answer is easy. You are an apprentice.
0: Yep, nothing is mine. Nothing is. No opinion matters. So, but that, that really leads on to what I think is the next question, yeah. which is, do I honor the master or do I pay him lip service? Mm. You know, that's, uh, you know, and, and for that, that going to use a word that maybe isn't used very often. Do I venerate? That, that is a kind of a, a word that it's, expresses not just respect. But I so respect, honor, and it's a love-based honor. It's not, it's not a duty-based honor. But I so venerate someone that the very words, the very ways that they do things and are with people and uh, be, uh, keep things out of their life and put things into their life, I, I copy them in mannerisms. I copy them in style style. I copy them in the very life that I live. Venerate. It's it's, it's more than almost... It's so much more than respect, isn't it?
1: It is. But it's also... It's not just about the person. It's about his word, isn't it? Mm. And it's venerating the word that he speaks. (coughs) So when the father speaks something... You know, in church, we can say, I am healed. But when you walk out the doors... Have you just paid him lip service because you're here and the worship's great and you're in the moment? Or are you saying the same things when you're outside at work, in the school playground, at college, wherever you are? Okay? And if you're a true disciple, then the words that you hear matter to you and the condition of your heart matters. And last week in our reading plan, we were looking at Luke 8 and I came to a part in Luke 8, uh, a scripture. And I thought that that is, I don't understand why that is there. And I started to meditate and I was meditating on scripture, which we've probably read over and over and over again. So if you want to turn to Luke 8, verse 16. It says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Mm. And I was looking at this part of the scripture where it says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. So in my Bible, there's a heading here which says a lamp on a stand. And every time I've heard this preached, I've been told that I am a light and I should put my light on a stand and that my light is for others to see. And we sing songs, don't we, about my little, what is it? How does it go? Oh, sorry, it's another song. I won't sing. This little light. This little light of mine. And that's how we've been taught. And I was going, well, if I'm to be a light, what's the point of listening? Why is that there? And it suddenly dawned on me. So I'm sorry if I'm a little bit slow. But are you ready for a completely different change in the way you look at this scripture? Take the heading out. Because when... Jesus spoke. He didn't use headings. And in my Bible, the red before it runs into the red after the heading. So I'm going to start from verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, when we talk about the parable of the sower, it's not about four different types of people. It's about four different conditions of the heart. So what's your heart like? Is your heart good soil? Is your heart where when the word is sown, it's planted, it goes in deep, and it bears fruit? Because that's the kind of heart that we want. Okay? So now let's go on as if there's no heading. I'll read it again. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. So you've been given some word that's been sown into your heart and it's become life and light in your heart. Okay, because you are good soil. So that word is light in your life. So what are you going to do with that word? Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. So when you have been given revelation, are you going to hide that revelation? Or is that revelation going to be foremost in your life so that you declare it with your whole being? For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. God is not saying, I see everything that you do. He's saying, I'm not going to hide any word from you. There is nothing hidden that I am not going to let you know. If you listen, what does it say next? It says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Yes. So how are you listening to the word today? How are you listening when you open up the Bible and you have your time with God? Consider how you listen, because you need to be that good soil that takes the word. And he wants to spend time with you so that he can whisper those secrets. He doesn't want to hide anything from you. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. This is about the principle of sowing and reaping. The more revelation you have, the more you sow that revelation, the more revelation you're going to reap. God doesn't give you revelation to keep to yourself. He gives it to you to give to others.
0: That's right. And that one of the scriptures that Claire and I constantly speak out is Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, which says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children and our children's children. The things of the word that Pastor Claire is speaking about, that as you begin to put them up in our lives, you know, we, when we put something up, we begin to see light. It begins to cast light into our lives. So the word that God speaks in a given season yeah. begins to bring light into our life. But the more you leave it there, the more light it gives, the more understanding comes into our uh, into our lives. And what actually happens is, is our children begin to walk by that light. Mm. But also if you bring one John into it, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And you see, this is one of the words, if you want to see your family brought into healing and wholeness, the word of God in our families casts out or leaves no room for rebellion. But the hearts of fathers is turned to children and children to fathers. Instead of a spirit of rebellion, we walk in a spirit of peace because revelation It's not just being spoken about, but is being venerated, Mm. is being exalted and put into the prime place in our lives, in our families and in every aspect of our lives.
1: So when we say that you put your light on the stand, it's that revelation of the word that you have heard. It says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So that is what we are placing. So when we live by that revelation, people can see. You know when somebody is is full of faith or full of healing or full of provision, because that's how they live if they're a peaceful person. It's because they venerated that word.
0: That's right. So a true (laughs) disciple carries that, that same heartbeat, that same passion, that same zeal as the master. That's what did right. Jesus do? How did he handle the devil? How did he handle problems? Even when the devil spoke partial truths to him, mm. you know, turn this bread, you know, the, in, in, uh, these rocks into bread, sorry. Let's try and get the right way around. <laughs> Not the bread into rocks. We can do that real easy. Just leave it out overnight. But turn the rocks into bread. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus hears that in a time of incredible hunger. He just fasted for 40 days. I mean, this is, the, this is what we have to understand. Temptation is only temptation if you can do it. You know, this is how the enemy works with us. Mm. is the things that we want, the things that we are able to do, but shouldn't be doing. Mm. Or rather, there's a better thing to be doing And that's what we know. That better thing is what we know we should be doing. Well, the other things, no matter how good they are, are temptation. And so what does the enemy do? He sows temptation. He, He gives us a great opportunity to go in a different direction or have a different heartbeat, a different desire to what the Father has just told us. He always wants to steal that word away. Whether it's through busyness, the deceitfulness of wealth, and there's the cares of this life that choke the seed, that stops us keeping it in the right place in our lives, oh. and we find ourselves living by something else that choke life instead of the full life.
1: Yeah. So, a disciple venerates the master and venerates his word. So we're going to move on to the third question. That's right. So, third question is: Am I a lifelong learner? Or am I remaining a novice? Mm. So a lifelong learner understands that they need to consistently train to improve their strength, their self-control, and their stamina. You know, an athlete continually goes out and practices. You know, they go for their runs or they go and do their training because they know if they drop their training just a little bit, they're not going to stay at the peak that they are. And so it is the same with a disciple. If we are lifelong disciples, if this is the decision we've made, we've made it for life. Or do we just want to remain a novice because yeah. we just think it's a nice thing to say I'm a Christian? That's
0: right. I mean, I could probably last for the first five minutes with Radek on his uh, runs and all the things that he's done there the Tough Mudder test that he, uh, uh, race that he went in. I probably lost the first five minutes, but I wouldn't finish the course. And while I want to be someone who finishes the course with Jesus, I want to finish and hear him say, Good and faithful servant, enter into your master's joy. Enter into all that the master's got. But you see, one of the things that happens uh, when, when you're being taught martial arts or maybe it's self-defense, because we we're not into martial arts here, are we? Because there's kind of wrong bits in the, in the core of those things. But self-defense. They, in the army, they, they teach you self-defense. Well, what you actually do is, is if someone touches you in a particular way, you kind of do certain movements and they're on the floor. Well, that's muscle memory. In fact, actually, this is, what, this is what they teach in the Army. They teach self-defense. They teach offensive things so that you do them again and again and again. You don't even think about what you're doing, but you kind of do certain actions. Mm. And in fact, actually, if you catch someone from the army um, unawares, so you having to touch them on their shoulder or something, and they're miles away, you might end up on the floor before they've even had a chance to think whether they're doing it. <laughs> it's the reality. Because it's a muscle memory. But you see, muscle memory stays as muscle memory because you constantly repeat those actions. It's something they do every day where they're doing their exercises, they're doing their plans. Or, or they, they, they strip um, uh, their gun down and, and they reassemble it with a blindfold on. They, they're doing these things so that it, it's, it's instinct rather than a plan of action. Or take it into a different mode when, when uh, a concert pianist, like, like or someone like Mark and, uh, and the, the team up here, they're worshiping. Their focus is on worship, not on playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a, uh, a touch typist.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a touch typist. You you don't look at the screen. You don't look at the keypad anymore. You don't look at even at the screen. Well, you do if you're not copying something. But if you're copying something. You type and there's precision. You don't think where the letters are anymore because you know yeah. somehow you've remembered where they all are.
0: I mean, I, I'm quite a fast typer when I'm, on the keyboard, uh, when I'm doing, working on my laptop. I, I can do something around 30 minutes, 30, 30 words a minute. 30 wo- minutes a word. 30, 30, 30 words, words a minute. A minute. I, I'm, I'm reasonably fast, but I have to be constantly looking at it. I know most of it, but I can't touch type. Whereas Claire... You you touch type. You learn to touch type. Yeah. What's your word rate?
1: uh, Well, today, (laughs) we were just trying. I can do 75 words a minute.
0: What a difference, eh? I'm concentrating like crazy on the words and everything. I'm I'm actually having to think about what I am doing, both to type and to think what I am trying to type. But when Claire types, all she's doing is letting her thoughts flow and her fingers She's not even looking at what she's doing. So it is with things of the spirit. Either the word is consistently a part of your life so that you are automatically, if someone says something negative, you have instantly turned it and brought it around into what the Word of God says. Or you are going to have to think about it, take that word cap that thought captive, bring out. Hang on, what's the scripture that applies to it? Mm. And then try and speak it out. That takes time. That Mm. takes effort. Whereas those who have trained themselves with the word of the God, it flows out of your being. You wouldn't even receive a curse. Mm. You wouldn't even receive a negative word. You wouldn't even receive a rebuke that you knew wasn't correct. Mm. Where where, I'm not talking about pride here. I'm Mm. talking about something that's a direct lie or something Mm. from the enemy. When we are living as this kind of disciple that Jesus said. The word flows. It trips off our tongue. Mm. We don't even have to think. We're not thinking. Hang on, where's that in the Bible? The word is on our mouths because it's in our hearts.
1: It should be part of our conversation, shouldn't it? If the word is part of us, then it should be part of our natural conversation when we're talking to people. It should just flow out of us. And so a trained disciple has really developed their faith muscle That's right. To respond quickly. And we've got a quote here from Oswald Chambers. um, Because obedience plays a huge part. It says, Spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of the years, but by obedience to the will of God. Some people mature into an understanding of God's will more quickly than others because they obey more readily they more readily sacrifice the life of nature to the will of God. So that is good news, especially for those who are maybe newly born again or haven't been Christians for long. Don't think that your faith muscles are less than somebody who's been a Christian for 10, 20, 30 years. It's down to obedience. Are you taking the word? Are you Mm -hmm. applying the word? And are you letting Christ really reign in your life or yourself? And the more quickly quickly you obey and you take the word, then the more spiritually mature you'll become and your faith muscles will be quick to respond. And so we were looking at, you know, there's different skill levels, isn't there? You can be unskilled with no experience, But you can also be unskilled with little experience. And then you become part skilled, but you still have little experience. Mm -hmm. You can become fully skilled and still only have part experience because you might know it, but you're not applying it. So when you know it, we need to not just be listeners, we need to be doers of the word. When we, our goal is to become fully skilled and fully experienced, and it's something we're all working towards, but that should be our goal, that this word becomes life yes. in us, so that we fully live by every word the master speaks to us.
0: Because he is the word. He is the word. It's a, a person is a word, is the word. It's not a concept. And so, you know, what it says in 2 Timothy 2, it says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people. So who's reliable here? Oh, it's only a few. Oh, oh, I thought we had disciples in the house. I thought we had people. Yeah, there's a, a slow response there. All right. What you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. What a word. What a word. What a challenge in our disciple in our relationship. And this is just finish with the Uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 1, verse 15, Paul writes this amazing prayer, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking, not once, He keeps asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order to you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above every rule, authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, And appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Wow. When we're talking 3D, this is what we're talking. The eyes of our hearts being full of light because we keep the light prime and foremost. That light is a person. That light is the word. Mm-hmm. That light is the word shed into our hearts. And this is what it says, uh, says elsewhere. It says, if your eye be dim, then the darkness in you be, will be very dark. Mm-hmm. Well, let's make sure that the eye, because it's the reading of the word, that enlightens our hearts, mm-hmm. that our hearts then stay light, so that we become light mm-hmm. once we were darkness. But now you are light. That's Ephesians uh, 3 somewhere. Now you are light. That's what this year as a disciple, we want everywhere. That light, that revelation. What are we living in? What are we living by? As Pastor Claire was reading the Bible plan this week, something fresh popped out of something she already knew. That's what's so brilliant about Jesus. That's what's so brilliant. So let's let's just get to our feet. Let's just begin to respond in our hearts. Let's allow Jesus, right now,
1: thank you, Jesus,
0: to shine in our hearts. So the word that you just heard is percolating in your spirit. You see, there's been healing, release, because your eyes have just been rehearing and seeing the word of God, the lamb of God, Jesus, Jesus. And maybe that today, this is always the first challenge. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Because today is a day to go from knowing Jesus to having him filling your life with his light. But there's a difference between believing in Jesus and having Jesus live in you. And that's what a Christian is. Jesus lives in me by his power. And I live in Christ. There's a dual thing going I don't just believe in Jesus. And I just want to make that challenge, you know, and that opportunity today. If you don't know that living, dynamic relationship with Jesus today, as your Lord, your Savior, someone who lives with you, who gives you his word and makes it understandable, Then you need to actually make that surrender today. Jesus, it's like a prayer, just like Jesus, I I want you in my life. I want to go from believing in you to having you living in me and me in you. I want to that exchange of life. I, I, I ask you to forgive me for living my life, my way, and Jesus, I'm setting you as the Lord of my life, my Savior, my King my master, my everything. And Jesus, today, I'm making that step and I'm just saying, please come into my life. Transform me. It's really that simple. And if you just ask that right now, if you just pray something along those words, you don't have to get the words right. It's a heart thing. But at the end of the service, we just want to make opportunity where you can get prayed for up front. And as uh, folks Uh, At the front here, they have the red badges and they will just pray with you. They will encourage you. They'll they'll show you more clearly what that means. Mm. But let's just pray right now. Just just allow yourselves time with God. Let's just allow time with God.
1: Thank you, Lord. So the first question we asked was, am I an apprentice or a casual worker? So if you're just quiet before the Lord now, I want you to consider that. Am I an apprentice to the master? Do I live my life for him? You know, maybe you need to uh, rediscover your first love. Maybe you realise that you've been treating your role as a disciple, as a Christian, as a casual worker, that... Sometimes you're available and sometimes you're not. And today is a day to make a decision. Today, Lord, I am becoming an apprentice. My opinion doesn't matter. But what you, my master, says, what you, my master, tells me to do, that's what matters in my life. Today, it's about being dedicated A disciple is dedicated. So today, determine in your heart that you are dedicated to be an apprentice today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's right.
0: And in uh, Revelation, there's a, a, a challenge to us. It says, you've persevered. You've endured hardship, but I hold this against you. You're forsaken. Your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. That love, that devotion that springs out of dedication, of living with Jesus. Maybe it's praying in the Spirit, maybe it's the reading of the Word, getting up in the morning. And Those are just things. But those are the things that are the response of love.
1: Second question we asked was, do I honor the master or do I pay him lip service? You know, how important is the word to you? How open and teachable are you to the master, to his word? Do you think that you know it all? Do you think that when you come in, you're not going to hear God because you've read this scripture over and over again? What's your heart attitude? Because God wants you to be open and teachable. So make that decision today. Lord, I want my heart to be fertile ground where when the seed is sown, when the seed of your word is sown, it grows and it's given room to grow. And it produces an amazing harvest in my life. It becomes that revelation, that truth that I live on and I depend on. Father, I pray that you give me an open and a teachable heart. An open and teachable spirit. That I will hear your word. I will listen carefully to your word. I will hear it and I will do your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And the third question was, am I a lifelong learner or am I remaining a novice? And it's all wrapped around obedience. Are you willing and obedient? Are you willing and obedient to live your life for him? To fulfill his will, to be obedient to his voice. Make that decision today as you're dedicating yourself afresh to him. Lord, I am willing. Lord, I will obey your voice and obey your word. Forgive me, Lord, when I've gone in my own direction and I've done my own thing. And Lord, I repent of that today. And today I say, I am your servant. I am here to serve you. I am here to do your will. I am your apprentice. Thank you, Father. Thank you, you, Lord. Let's respond to him as we worship him together. Let's worship him.